with Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Quinn's our starting quarterback, and we feel very good about that. Um, but I don't ever want to take the stinger of these other guys that they're not competing for something, that they're not striving for something, because they're all talented players. They're great teammates with one another. And um, I think they all appreciate how hard each of them work. And I think we're in a very fortunate position to have three quality guys in that room that, that work the way that they do. That was University of Texas head football coach Steve Sarkeesian talking about the spring game, St. Quinn Ewers. Um, what was, he didn't say it there, but what was the exact quote? I think it's apparent that Quinn Ewers is our, our starting. guy. Is our guy. That's how he said Ewers starting cue says the other guys doesn't want to take anything away from them. They're still competing. Um yeah, Arch didn't look great. Hard hard to know if that's indicative of what's kind of been like all spring for him, if it's been a struggle all spring or, you know, what exactly went on there. Maybe he's, as you mentioned, looked like he's with the third-team offensive line. Yeah, um, he was under pressure the entire time. So Looks like he took his high school offensive line to him for the uh, Texas spring game is what it looked yeah. like. Yeah, so it's hard to know exactly, but, you know, he had some opportunities, wasn't very accurate with the football. You can tell that he's got a nice arm, though, um, whenever he throws it. So, I I like Murphy. I'm curious to see if he jumps in the portal. You know? Um, I just wonder if they're really giving I, – I, I believe that they've given Arch a legitimate chance to compete. I, I believe that. Have they given Malik Murphy the same opportunity to compete for the starting job? I, I, I just – I'm not there every day, but I just don't feel like they have. And – they're going well, to need a backup quarterback at some point this year. I believe that. Like I, Quinn Ewers got hurt last year, um, and in the games where he was healthy, he was very, very up and down. Like I think Texas is going to play at least two quarterbacks this year. They're going to need a backup. I'll be a lot more nervous about Texas this year if that backup quarterback is Malik Murphy instead of Archibald Manning because I think Malik Murphy can play. And, well, I, and, and he, Texas got to hope that he's on the roster too next year. Here's the thing. They may feel like Arch Manning's their backup quarterback or is, or is going to be their backup quarterback, but they don't want to lose Malik Murphy in the transfer portal. So maybe all all spring that he's been running with the twos and been given the opportunity to compete and maybe feel like he's right there so he doesn't bounce in the transfer portal. That's you how know? I would handle it. I mean, I – you know, it'd be different if Quinn Ewers just had an unbelievable year last year. Like, you think without a doubt he's your starter. He's going to have a great year. I, it's just so unknown for him, though. So I right. think you got to do everything you can to make sure that Malik Murphy is on campus this year because this is a big year for Texas, man. As much as we talk about this being a big year for OU, and it is, like, this is a big-time year for Sark. Like, they've yet to break through with him at, at head coach. Like, they, right. they need some momentum just like OU going into the SEC. Thing is, with them, they got a much more difficult schedule. So, I would guess that Malik Murphy is in the portal only because I think he could go start somewhere day one and maybe even at a Power 5 school. Yeah. Well, I, the flashes I've seen and 
the size and athleticism. I mean, the kid was a was he five star or, or borderline five star quarterback? Malik Murphy. He was right there, close. Uh, yeah, he was pretty highly rated. Was coming out of California, I think. Correct, yeah. where he's from. Yeah, and he, um, I think he, I think he, um, what right away when Sarkeesian got the job, he committed to Texas. Right, it was almost like a. Uh, whether Sarkeesian wanted him or not, it was that quick of a of a deal that he was going to come there or wanted to come there. Yeah, so. Four-star quarterback coming out of the state of California. But he is 6'4 225 pounds. And we're not saying that he's as good as Vince Young because, well, not very many people are as good as Vince Young. But he looks like he's in a, in a uniform. Like Vince had – Vince was taller than 6'4 What was Vince like? 6'5", 6'6", something yeah. like that? But Malik Murphy's the closest-looking thing that they've had to Vince Young since he was on campus. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Wild. Um, we'll see what happens down there. I, I feel pretty good if if we're in a situation we have to uh, face Arch Manning uh, this fall. Right? Um, that's what I would prefer. But I don't know. I, I'm sure he's probably got some people in his corner telling him that, hey, you need to uh, enter the portal and sniff around and see what's going on out there. There's people that are dying for quarterbacks, so uh, we'll see if it happens. Would not shock me at all if that's the case. Which is is that wide out? Is that the only portal guy that we've heard from Texas that's that's entered so far? No, they had another player that was an edge, I think, that entered in the portal the same day. They may have had another one that happened that day, but I I, I know of at least two. Brennan Thompson, the wide receiver that you're talking about, I think they had another edge player that was highly recruited. All their guys were highly recruited out of high school. I know that really narrows it down. But one offense, one defense, I think, so far for Texas. And for OU, we've got, what, uh, Jaden Davis and Corey Roberson so far in the portal. And I think that these two, much like with what you see right now, like I I think this, this, this portal cycle, the second one, is a lot about, all right, just went through spring ball. The writing's on the wall that I'm not going to start, and if I want some serious playing time, I need to go somewhere else. That's the feeling I get with both Corey Roberson and Jaden Davis. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you could be right about that. It's hard, Like I said, it's hard to know everyone's feeling. Um, someone just – guys may just want a new opportunity, somewhere else to go, uh, closer to home, whatever it may be. Uh, but, like I said, I wish those guys uh, – Best of luck out there. Yeah, we, we thought that uh, they might be young at corner at one spot, which is not – I mean, I, there's, they're young, but they're talented at that other corner spot. It kind of feels like they're definitely going to be young at one of those corner spots now. Looking at Gentry Williams, looking at Josiah Wagner, like they're going to they're gonna have a, a first or a second-year player playing some significant snaps this year, maybe both those guys. Yeah. And I, I – from what I've seen, it's not a it's not a huge um, amount of snaps, but small, fairly small sample size. But I I think we've got some guys that can compete at that position. You know, I really do. And I, and I think the move by Jane Davis kind of tells you that, right? Well, and that's like, what I was about to say is, can you have that take here that this is actually a very positive sign with what's happening at corner? If someone who's played a lot for you, been around for a while, has one year of eligibility, he's gone through spring ball, and he's saying, yeah, I need to go somewhere else to play, like if that was the reason. 
Yeah. If that was the reason and it's that competitive and, and maybe sees the writing on the wall about reps, uh, maybe not getting to play as much, then I, I think you have to look at it as – Hey, there's we got some good young talent here that's really competing it, make it di- making it difficult for some of the older guys. Yeah, I, I that can't be a negative if you're talking specifically about the outlook for the corner position at Oklahoma. Yes, uh, is there? And if there is, what is the best case scenario for OU spring game on Saturday in terms of who really plays well as a position group? Is it best-case scenario that the offensive line completely mauls the defensive line and they're running the ball all day long looking good? Best-case scenario if the defensive line is having a day, getting in the backfield a ton, if it's kind of even across the board? Like, if there is best-case scenario, what does that look like? Just all, well, all the way around. Okay. Uh, you're not going to like this, but like best-case scenario for who? For us on the show, no, no, no like for, for just fans, for, yeah, for OU, for yeah, just like for the actual team, for the actual team, yeah. And and, and I guess that I know what happens on Saturday is not necessarily indicative of what's happening, but that's kind of like the the area I'm going. Like, what what's best case scenario for this team? Like, who plays well? Who has the best day? All that. For this team, the best case scenario is. We don't turn the football over, and defensively, we don't give up any free big plays that are made because of mental mistakes and guys turned turn loose, streaking down the field, wide open. Um, like if the offense makes some pl- some plays on like competitive catches and. You know, really nice runs where you break a couple of tackles. I got no problem with that. Best case scenario, though, is don't turn the football over. Operate smoothly and cleanly. And don't have free runners down the field. And give away yards and points. Make them earn it. I, to me, that's that's really all you're asking Sure, for. I just think it's interesting with OU this year because if we were to identify the two biggest question marks right now, it would probably be offensive line and defensive line, and they'll be going <laughs> they'll be going head up against each other on Saturday, you know? Well, so I could see, like, oh, nice uh, 15-yard run, but, gah, there, there's there's no one, no one in the defensive line that's getting a push up front. Uh, you, you just know how that is for a spring game. Well, yeah, and that narrative is, is going to be there – Probably regardless, and maybe rightfully so, but uh, you said just for the football team, like, uh, to me, what I said is the best-case scenario for the football team because I, the spring game is a snapshot for us to see what's going on, but it's not, it's not meaningless for the team, but it's just – Another scrimmage. They've already had like four scrimmages. It's just another scrimmage. It's just another practice. I, you know what you're getting really practice in and out out of most of your players. So it's just going to be, for the most part, a reflection of, of just that. So right, just to perform cleanly, I think, is, is really the best-case scenario for them. I, if you have a defensive lineman that has three sacks tomorrow – or Saturday, I don't think the team is going to be like, hey, 
maybe we got a defensive lineman all of a sudden that's going to be all conference. You know what I'm saying? It's not yeah. really going to change. And that's why I'm saying, like, yeah, I know what happened Saturday isn't indicative, but if it's like a, if it is a snapshot of what's happened to spring ball, what's best case? But yeah, just play a good, clean football game. Like you can make some plays offensively, but don't let it happen easily on the defensive side. Right. Yeah. Uh, I want a raging shootout between eight and JFA. So that the whole text line is just chock full of JFA should start talk all the way up until September. Is that too much to ask? That's a texture in the 918. A raging I, shootout. Is a raging shootout 49 to 48? That's what I think of. I don't know, but, you know, if the weather is, if the weather cooperates at least to some degree, there's going to be a percentage of the fan base that comes away with that take on Jackson Arnold. Maybe a healthy percentage. We've we've heard the take before, like two years ago. Well, yeah, and the take before was coming off wasn't coming off of a six and seven season. Yeah, they won you know? their sixth bowl game that year. Right, and a quarterback so, that people were very excited about all the way around. Right. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. like, the bar is already set fairly low, and there's there's more people right now that are ho hum on Dylan Gabriel, either right or wrong. I'm just saying that's that's kind of the the picture of the fan base. There's a lot of people that are ho hum, and if Jackson Arnold looks looks really good, and I think there's a a really decent chance that he does, like. That narrative is going to be one that is going to be hard to tamp down. Another, it's going to be out there. Another text in the 918. Best case scenario is our backup quarterback plays well and our linebacker uh, linebackers cut people in half. Yeah. It could be a uh, smaller running back, smaller wide receiver. That could have, Kobe McKenzie could do that on Saturday. Smaller yeah. running back, smaller wide receiver, maybe even a fully grown running back or wide receiver. Oh, it don't matter who. It is. He'll do it to a lineman. He'll do it to a tight end. He'll do it to a back. I'm telling you, he is the – he's one of the heavy-handedest linebackers that we've had at Oklahoma in a while. When he punches guys, they go backwards. Sean says the only worry I would have is if Bevel looks good. What if Davis Bevel looks the best out of any of the quarterbacks that you have on Saturday? Yeah. Like has the best game. You know what I mean by that. Not actually look like the best quarterback, but he has the best game of the three. That'll be uh, fine. Yeah. You th- I wouldn't mind if he looked good. Hey, the more quarterbacks that we have playing good football, the better. You know, I like Jackson Arnold, but it's not exactly risk-free that he jogs out onto the field because of injury and just, you know, takes the season and runs with it. He could go out there and play like a freshman too. So if we got more quarterbacks that that are playing good and give us options, I actually don't have a problem with that. But the point is uh, is valid. I understand it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we got a lot of interesting best case scenarios on here. Not, okay. Not all of them I can read. So we'll uh, we'll hit some more coming up next. Oh boy, I, I got to sift through. I got to read through all of these so I don't actually have a slip up on air. It's the kind of day we're having on the text line. Best case scenario, 30-mile-an-hour wind out of the north and all of the uh, concessions and bathrooms are closed in the south end zone. Yeah. Some are saying best case scenario, I don't get stuck at the metal detector for 30 minutes this time. So. Yeah? 
Fair point. The Riverwind Casino and Hotel bringing you the final hour of the rush. Adrian Peterson was inducted into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame over the weekend. And it told us he told a story while he was up there. Uh, there was a point in his life where he was 100% sure he was going to play for the University of Texas. And then, well, Mac Brown screwed it up. The number one question I get is, why did you go to Oklahoma? Why you leave the state? And I tell him, I said, listen, I remember going to... Like when Priest, my uncle played with Priest and Ricky and those guys, they, they were cold. I remember going to watch them play, and I remember sitting outside of the stadium, waiting for my uncle to come out, and I'm looking, I'm like, I'll be back here one day. Like, I was Texas all the way. But for the people that find themselves being mad at me about going to Oklahoma, this is what I'll say. If you're gonna be mad at anybody, be mad at Coach Mac Brown. And this is why I say that. I sat in Coach Brown's office, and I asked him the same thing I asked everyone else. Coach Stoops, will I have the opportunity to, to come in and compete? Yeah, sure. Pete Carroll, will I have the opportunity to come in and compete for the starting job if I come? Yeah. Nick Saban, can I have the opportunity? Mac Brown, if I come here, will I have the opportunity to come in and, and you know, compete for the starting job? He was like, well, Adrian, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, Cedric Benson, you know, he's coming. He decided to come back for his senior year. So, you know, we're going to be loyal to him and we're going to let him ride it out. But, you know, after that, you know, you can compete for it. I said, okay, I appreciate it. And that was it. I never told him that I wasn't coming. <laughs> I never told him that I wasn't coming. But that made my, that was the decisions that I made based off of that. Thank God for Mac Brown that he screwed that one up, man. Which, I, I find it funny that Max didn't say that he would give him a chance to compete for the starting job because of Cedric Benson. But Pete Carroll did. Um, we remember who USC had at that time at running back, right? They had a guy by the name of Reggie Bush who would win the right. Heisman Trophy in 2005. So, um, I, USC was really good at running back. Some other schools that were recruiting him were really good at running back. They didn't care. They said, yeah, of course you can compete. Amazes right. me that Mac Brown said no. Say yes, say yes, and use him as a second back. I don't, uh, uh, wow, man. Yeah, well, it's, it's if you're on the team, you're competing for the starting job. I, it's okay to say, well, you gave it a good try. You didn't take over the number one reps, but hey, we're gonna work you in. I mean, <laughs> that's. I mean, AD didn't even start until what midway through the year at OU. Kewan Jones was playing over him early on. Right. That's just crazy. Um, then there was that hey. story that uh, what one of Bob's friends texted him or called him and told him he got to take the Ferrari out of the garage, and he did, and he almost won the Heisman that year. Oh, uh, yeah. That's um, – they took the Ferrari out of the garage all right. Ooh, and yeah, it was, uh, it was excellent. The Ferrari almost won the Heisman, almost rushed for 2,000 yards, so pretty incredible stuff. Text line is uh, a lot of prayer emojis uh, in front of the name Mac Brown right now. So, text line <laughs> is very, very thankful today. Hey, uh, mentioned Caleb Etienne. I think it was last hour. He hopped in the portal on Friday from Oklahoma State, uh, one of their tackles. Yeah. He tweeted out an hour ago he's going to BYU. Okay. So, I guess OU will see him this year uh, playing for BYU. That? 
How about that? BYU, BYU action. BYU, just one of the many teams in the Big 12 this year that are going to be big-time unknowns to start the season. A lot of that yeah. in the conference this year. Does it feel like it's that uh, way more than most years? Yeah, I, it is. We had a team play in the playoff last year, and honestly, I don't know if they're going to be any good. Um, you got TCU up in the air, Tech up in the air. Um, I, I don't know what we're going to get from from Cincy, from from BYU. I, even even K State to a certain degree. They lost I, some I, really good I, players. Yeah, I expect Kansas State to be really good, but I'm not 100% convinced of it. Like Will Howard ended the season really good for them last year, but I've seen Will Howard play a bunch of really bad football. Now, I'm I'm willing to accept that he's gotten way better. All right. Um, with uh, Colin Klein calling the plays up there and, you know, making things suit him a little bit better. I'm willing to accept that, but it's still – there is unknown there. Kansas, unknown. Outside oh, of quarterback, I mean, yeah. I, I mean, and that's that, – who do we know the most about of any team in the conference this year going in? Oh, you were Texas? Texas? Yeah, one of those two probably. I would say even Oklahoma is – compared to what they usually are because of what went down last year – I'd say Oklahoma's a, a pretty massive unknown. It's just it's just a league that is seemingly I mean, it's been wide open here recently, especially since OU hasn't been as good the past two years, but it feels like it's gonna be very wide open this year. There will be about six or seven teams, maybe even more, that you would say, Oh yeah, yeah, they're Big Twelve championship game. Like they they, they could make it to that. They're Big Twelve title game contenders. Right. Yep. No, I um I agree. I, it's it's impossible to say, which, you know, typically makes for a fun season. I think it will make for a good year. Um, I don't think if, if Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Clemson, whoever wins the Pac-12, or if those teams are what I think they're going to be, I don't think the Big 12 necessarily has a playoff caliber team. Now, I'm I not saying that. that that someone may not make it. Like Oklahoma, technically, like we could make it because of what our schedule looks like, but I don't know like how we necessarily are going to compare with those other teams right now. But I I think it's going to be a competitive fun league where we don't know who's going to win it. Yeah, for BYU and Cincinnati, UCF and Houston taking a step up in competition, at least like conference-wise, yeah, um, and not knowing a whole lot about what they have other than BYU's color radio voice telling me they got a long way to go last week. They picked a very good year to step up to this Power 5 conference. Right. At least it feels that way. Yeah. No, that's that's true. I don't know that Gosh, your your two traditional air quotes powerhouses, and I know when I say two, I'm going to get pushed back on the text line, and, and rightfully half. so. But your two well known programs are coming off of eight and five and six and seven, 
like, both like if you compare or if you combine our records, we're below 500. That is not the the norm. So yeah, it's the best year to be stepping in. Now those teams may still roll off a five and seven. I have no idea, yeah, but I know. Yeah, I mean for for to step up in competition, it's a it's a good year for them, right? For sure. So, but I. There's not a whole lot of optimism around BYU, Cincinnati, or even Houston right now. It feels like the team that you would might probably feel best about is UCF. I think so. They got a quarterback right. coming quarterback, back. Yeah. They've got a coach that's recognizable as you know, coaching a championship game. Like I do feel like UCF will be the best out of the four new teams. You know, and and I know Cincinnati's lost some players and they lost Luke Fickle, but you know, as good as they've been, like, I'm not convinced that that roster's been totally decimated, at least to a point where they can't compete in this conference, you know. Uh, we'll see. But I, I'll tell you, the inexperience for those teams is going to matter. Like, not knowing what you get out of Kansas State year in, year out may catch them by surprise. Uh, not recognizing that you're not going to score against Iowa State, may catch them by surprise, right? There's some things that yeah. – You can't complete a deep ball against Iowa State, UCF. Just go ahead and plan for that. Right. There's there's some things that to. we're used to here. Um, you know, be ready for the flying tortillas. Be ready for the horn at uh, TCU blowing your ear. Make sure off. you play Texas the week after that they have a pretty good win because there's no consistency there and they'll play like total crap the very next week. No consistency in Austin. Yeah. It, it's going to be difficult for them to know what it's like to go into a 100,000-seat stadium and play in front of 50,000 fans. <laughs> it's going to feel empty there. It's yeah. going to feel weird. Zane says <laughs> USC probably thinks this is their year to win it all with the best returning quarterback among title competitors. Uh, yeah, maybe. Uh, they need to stop Utah from running for about 400 yards before that. But, yeah, I, they, they probably think that. They, I, I think that – I think USC is going to be quite a bit better than they were last year, and their record is going to be worse. Yeah, I totally agree with that. So, last year was there was a great year one for them scheduling-wise. This year is – they – if, if all the quarterbacks out there in that conference play the way I expect them to, they may have the most difficult schedule in the country. They, uh, I saw a random ranking of Pac-12 quarterbacks today, and there was a very recognizable name at like – was it uh, Drew Pine on the list? Like he's at least a recognizable name, right? Not saying he's some great quarterback. Right. But he was like 11th on the list. Like normally you're talking – the 11th best quarterback in the league, you probably never even heard of the guy before. But right. the Pac-12 has got very name uh, name worthy quarterbacks this year. Can you it's name crazy. the fourth best quarterback in the Big Twelve? Oh gosh, are there four? Well, are there four good quarterbacks in the Big Twelve? <laughs> <laughs> I think we may need to start there. I don't know. Uh, yeah, um, the kid with the collapsed lung at Oklahoma State, Alan Bowman. Maybe he's the fourth best. Probably yeah. not. He was the third best at his school last year. How about Hunter Upper Deckers is the fourth best there you quarterback? Go. There you go. There you go. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on here from Newcastle. Stay tuned. This is the Ref Sports Radio Network. 
The Landers Tire Event starts right now at Landers Auto Group. Buy four tires, get free lifetime tire rotations, a $100 Landers gift card, and more. Come in now for the Landers Tire Event at Landers Auto Group. See dealer for details. The Landers Tire Event starts right now at Landers Auto Group. Buy four tires, get free lifetime tire rotations, a $100 Landers gift card, and more. Come in now for the Landers Tire Event at Landers Auto Group. See dealer for details. At Oklahoma Electric Cooperative, we value transparency. Our goal is to provide our members with reliable, affordable service, not increased profits for shareholders. We work hard to ensure our members are kept informed and satisfied with their service. That's just one way OEC is different from other electric providers. Read more in the March Co-op News Magazine or at www.okcoop.org. OEC, the power of connection. Are you looking for the kind of OU apparel you can wear at work or dress up events? The Jimmy Austin Pro Shop carries the best brands like Tommy Bahama, Peter Millar, Travis Matthew, Footjoy, Greg Norman, Polo, and most recently, the popular Lululemon clothing line. Open seven days a week. It's the best shop around, whether you're a golfer or not. If you need corporate special orders, they can do that too. Come out and shop or call the Pro Shop at the Jimmy Austin OU Golf Club at 405-325-6716. Hey, it's Chris Plank, and when I'm not calling games for the two-time defending national champion OU softball team, you can hear Josh Helmer and myself talk about him weekdays, 9 to noon, on The Plank Show. Plus, be sure to listen and subscribe to the Diamond Envy Podcast. That's the ref's OU softball podcast, hosted by Tyler McComas. Diamond Envy drops twice weekly with great guests and the latest softball information. Diamond Envy is brought to you by Cavens Maintenance Group. Hi, I'm Tim Lasher from my company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. We install quality York products. The award-winning York Affinity Series is Energy Star rated and features a money-saving two-stage compressor design. Plus, every Affinity system comes with a 10-year parts and labor warranty and a lifetime warranty on the compressor. Now, you don't need to tell us anybody sent you. Just call the office and ask for me. I own the company. Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 579-3113. Get up to $550 in rebates now on qualified York components at Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Hey guys, it's TJ here for my friends over at Joe's Wines and Spirits. When you need the best selection and affordable pricing on your liquor, check them out right here on the east side of Norman. One thing that makes Joe's so great is their monthly specials, like this month on Basil Hayden Straight Bourbon Whiskey, Cuervo Authentic Margaritas, or Francis Coppola Wines. So when you're heading out to the lake on the weekend, or maybe getting ready to do some outdoor grilling and relaxing, make sure to stop by and see my friends over at Joe's, 1330 East Alameda, and make sure to follow them for their specials on Facebook. Life is yours to spend. Spend it making more money. Spend it making more memories. Spend it learning a new skill. Spend it teaching an old trick. Spend it career climbing. Spend it mountain climbing. First United Bank. Spend life wisely. 
The Mont invites you to come by and enjoy our high-quality food and drinks in our historic atmosphere. The Mont has won numerous awards, including Best Restaurant in Norman, Best Appetizer for our Great Queso, Best Exotic Drink for the Original Swirl, the Best Patio Dining for our beautifully landscaped patio. Come see the Town Tavern, OU football scoreboards dating back to 1947. We'll see you at the Mont on the corner of Boyd and Classen, or call us at 329-3330. Yeah, that body's got to get calloused, and that mind's got to get calloused, especially in this league. All right, Brent, you'll wrap us up. How much does a guy like? Gotta be a good, if it's the last question, it's going to be a good question. Don't be. Don't. I don't need. I don't <laughs> yeah, need. I, I, listen, so I don't need no side. Houston Chronicle question. Give, give him. A, give him a question. Give, give, give him a Texas question. It's a better question. All right. I don't need no Houston Chronicle. I need a Texas question. Good question. Let me question. ask you about a guy who didn't, who you would like to have had for thirty. Per- Bryce Sports Foster. Illustrated is just as bad. Sports Illustrated. That, that ain't a good one either. Now that ain't a good one either. That used to be. That used to be the golden standard. That gum. Bryce Foster. That used to be the Golden State. Yeah, wait a minute, y'all give me flack. I can't give you flack, that gun. <laughs> y'all get, y'all can't take it. Look at it. They get personal. Look at that. All right. So what's wrong with that side? Uh, all right. What you got? All right, Bryce Foster. How much does he miss out? I know you encourage. There's Jimbo Fisher getting defensive again. I don't know what he has to be defensive about. Uh, sure, he's 39 and 21 in College Station, but who cares if you get fired? You're going to be one of the uh, richest. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna be a very already a wealthy man. Gonna be even a wealthier man if he rolls off a five and seven and gets fired this year. There's nothing to be mad about, Jimbo. Life's good for you, man. Relax. Right. It's good. It's good. But I, I don't think Jimbo understands this. Maybe he does. I don't know. It's at this point though to where when he acts and does stuff like that, I think everyone rolls their eyes and just makes fun of him. Yeah. So probably not the best decision. Well, it's this is the classic. Don't pick a fight with people who buy ink by the barrel, right? And I've already seen that exact quote being passed around on Twitter. And journalists don't like whenever you attack other journalists. And that's basically what he's doing is saying these writers and people asking questions are idiots. And, you know, they have free reign to write whatever they want about you. And I'm not saying it's right. You would hope that they, um, you know, write the the correct story and have the correct reading on everything. You know, the right right spin, ask the right questions, and don't have any bias built in. But when you start attacking the media, that's not typically what happens. It usually becomes negative on you pretty quickly. It does feel like for the past year, it's been around a year since he and Saban got into that, uh, I feel like. He seemed like he's been very razzled for the past year. Jimbo well, has. Yeah. Somehow, he got the college football world, who pretty much unanimously disliked Nick Saban previously, to say, well, maybe Nick's not that bad. It's Jimbo yeah. Fisher right now that's the yeah. bad guy. Yeah. <laughs> After really, he hasn't done anything at A&M. 39-21, which someone had right. a better record through this point, and he ended up getting fired. Just, right. just crazy. Yeah, not the best look. But, yeah, I'm looking at a CBS story. Seven college football coaches under the most pressure entering the 2023 season. Jimbo Fisher's number one. Who's under more pressure, Jimbo Fisher or A&M, who has to pay him his $95 million fully guaranteed contract? Are we sure that Jimbo Fisher – is the one that has or is feeling the most pressure in 2023? Could be the administrators down there. 
I don't think A&M feels any pressure. I feel like, uh, and I don't think I don't think A&M feels any pressure, and I don't think Jimbo feels any pressure. Jimbo doesn't feel any pressure because, well, if they fire, he's getting that money anyways. And I don't think A&M feels any pressure because he's getting that money anyways. <laughs> you know, it's like they probably don't want to keep him, but they have to. And if they fight, like they, it's just there's no good. Yeah, I can't it's wait. Whenever for, you know you're in just a horrible spot, and you just accept I can't it. wait for A and M fans to somehow take a victory lap when they have to pay Jimbo north of forty million dollars for a buyout, and they say, "Well, yeah, it's because we have forty million dollars to pay the buyout." You know, well, they'll somehow turn that into a positive. I, however, will which, not. You know, I don't know. There may be a. a a big faction of the fan base that still feels like Jimbo's doing a really good job. And, you know, it's just a matter of time. Like they're going to get the offense turned around and, you know, they've got plenty of, of big, big time recruits that are going to, you know, make, you know, make their impression on the program and they're a year away. Uh, maybe that's what their fan base thinks. I have no idea. Uh, okay, seven college football coaches under the most pressure going into this year. You tell me which ones you agree and don't agree uh, don't agree with. Jimbo Fisher, obviously, you disagree with that one, right? Um, Ryan Day at Ohio State. Oh yeah, tremendous amount of pressure. Now, I, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to get fired if he doesn't beat Michigan, but I he has to be feeling it. Like we're talking about pressure, it's like what is. Is he feeling the heat? And he has to be feeling the heat. Yeah. Absolutely. Billy Napier at Florida. Just one yes. year, but was 6-7 and seven last year. Yeah. yeah. I uh, I don't know if their offense is going to be better. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't see any of their spring games. 10-3 final. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I saw some of the comments suggesting that whatever just went down did not look good. Yeah, it did not look good. Mario Cristobal at Miami, 6-7 and seven last year, year one. Eh, I don't think so. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian at Texas. We know what's happened there. I I don't know. I I don't know if he's feeling any pressure. It sounds to me like the Longhorn fan base is thrilled right now. So I, I don't know what to make of it. It's the most celebrated eight and five season I think I've ever seen before. So yeah. there's like a there's optimism. I'd say high optimism in Austin after an eight and five year, um, and he's tied to a Manning at quarterback. So I don't think that he's maybe he's feeling pressure this year, but I don't think he's on any sort of a hot seat this this season. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Neil Brown at West Virginia is on the list. Still surprised he kept his job. Well, that's what happens whenever the uh, you beat Oklahoma. I guess right. It looked like it was a formality, and he was done. So, he, he, yeah, he's got to be feeling the heat. Absolutely. Last one, Brent Venables, University of Oklahoma. Yeah, he feels pressure. Now, is he going to lose his job? No. But that doesn't mean that he's not feeling heat. He just had the first losing season at Oklahoma in 25 years. Right? And there's plenty of excuses to be thrown out there about why that went down and why it was the way that it was, but no one cares about that. 
It's this is big boy football. One hundred percent, he's feeling the pressure. Yeah. Well, that schedule is. Um, I, I think it's going to turn out to be a blessing, but there is a side of it that could be a curse. That if you're an eight and four team this year, and I don't think eight and four is good enough. But if you're an eight and four team, it will show improvement by the wins, I guess. But how much will it really be celebrated? Because the narrative is very strong out there that this schedule absolutely sucks, and it may be their worst ever. So the schedule is a blessing if you go ten and two and eleven or eleven and one. But if you don't, then maybe that even implies more pressure. It probably does. Well, here's the thing: you mentioned eight and four. Um, I, I don't think they should be eight and four. But if they are eight and four, you have to tell me, like eight and four, and you beat Texas is one thing. Eight and four and you lose to Texas is another. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, no, I, I see what you're saying, but even with the Texas win, that's four bad teams that you're losing to. Oh, I, you, you know I, what I trust mean? Me. Yeah, yeah. I know. But you're, you're but, just saying a way to, like, uh, at least have a win that can sh- – you know, like a high mark of the era. I I, right. I, I understand, yeah. There, There is – there's no way that Oklahoma – Looks at eight and four, and maybe I maybe this changes things. Like going to the SEC, like I don't know what what to expect in a year in year out basis uh, as of today. But um, right, as of right now, there is no eight and four scenario that is viewed positively by our fan base. No, nor and nor should it either. Right, especially this year. So that's number one. But number two is like. It, no matter what, like as bad as eight and four is, it still hits different if you lose to Texas in there. Yeah, sure. Um, at the at the beginning of that Jimbo clip, oh, we played it to make fun of him essentially. Mm-hmm. But the first two to three seconds of that, he was answering a question right before, and he said something to the effect of, "You got to be calloused both physically and mentally in this league, or you got to be calloused yeah. both mentally and physically, especially in mm-hmm. this league." It's actually kind of an interesting point that made me think. Like, I know it, it, it sounds like OU's practicing. Like, it's a lot more intense at practice these days than it was prior. And I guess we don't know or won't know until you actually get there. But, yeah, man, like, I actually agree with Jimbo on that. Is OU in a situation where they're callous both mentally and physically when the move to that league comes? They're, they're getting there. Their practices are really physical. They, they do a lot of – you know, for a team that's as banged up as they are this spring, they do they do a, a lot of full contact stuff. So they're they're getting there, and you have to. It's not it's not a process that happens overnight, um, but they're getting there. They they have physical demanding practices, and I expect that to continue to be the case for them. And you know. Eventually, you're going to have yourself a, a calloused football team, for sure. Uh, a couple texts, we'll hit a break. Eight and four is not good enough, even if we beat Texas. No excuse, we're still OU. Yeah, I don't, I don't think either of us were no. saying that it was good enough. Absolutely eight, not. Eight and four is not It's not. There, there's no way it's good enough. Uh, I'm, the only thing, my only point is, like, as far as pressure for, like, your job and, and whatever those type of things are, it just it hits differently if – you 
either win or lose to Texas. Santa John, if our win total is less than 10, I will be very disappointed. That's same, same for me. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I on one hand, I'm not sure like what caliber of football team we're going to be. I mean, I think we have a chance to be pretty good. But, you know, given the schedule, right, we should win a lot of football games regardless. So, there you go. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. Final segment is next here from Newcastle. The word is spreading, and the ref army is growing. Keep telling your friends and family that there's only